I want to share with you this morning, I want to share just in this session, I want to just talk about the area of um, establishing our identity as a son. And uh, remember when we talked yesterday about this, we find that uh, when God uses the, the pattern of father-son, it's gender inclusive because he's talking about his governance and extending his kingdom. He also uses the uh, term, the bride and the bridegroom. Again, it's gender inclusive. It's about intimacy. So when God describes the relationships, it's about the way he's designed us to function. So we're not being excused one way or the other. If I talk about the bride, I'm talking to men and women. I'm talking about sons, we're talking to men and women. So we don't get all hung up on all of this stuff. And uh, I want to just talk about um, establishing identity. See, identity uh, is the question, who am I? Who am I? What, who am I as a person? Who am I really? And can I be myself before you? And when, when, you, get, when you find children, uh, our children, they're just, when they're very, very young particularly, just so expressive and open and they're trusting and, and, and they're, they're, they're childlike. And uh, so they'll just say what it is. And you see little children, they'll express you can tell what that is. Some are better at it than others. We've got uh, some of our grandchildren, and uh, you know exactly where they're at. You can read it on their face straight away. They're happy. They're very happy. They're sad. They're very sad. It just it shows straight away. And what it, what, it, what it means is they're unashamed about revealing what's happening in their life. But somehow as you get a bit older, you lose all of that. Somehow, instead of being childlike, I'm not talking about childish. Childish is being immature and irresponsible. Childlike He's having the characteristics and qualities of a child. And Jesus said, except you become childlike, you can't enter or experience realms of the kingdom. So what he's saying is, we need to actually not lose that childlikeness, which is simple ability. You notice children are spontaneous. Children are just, they let it out. They just let you know who they are. Uh, children laugh and they have fun. It's like when you're, when you're childlike, there's a whole expression of life that you're unashamed about. Kids are come, man, they see me, they run and hug me. Hi, granddad. And, and it's just they're unashamed. They'll run up and it's a big hug, very expressive. But somehow as we grow up, we become more concerned about what people think about us. And instead of becoming strongly affirmed in identity, established in who I am and free to be who I am, we begin to draw our identity from what's outside us rather than having it established inside us. If you draw your identity from what's outside you, then you're inherently unstable all the time. It's just gonna take an event to trigger it off. If our identity is established within us, then it doesn't matter what happens outside us, I am still who I am. So our society tends to define us in many different ways. We're gonna look at just false source of identity in a moment. But I wanna just share just a few simple keys around this and primarily want to get to focus on what can I do that will help me establish who I am? And it's very important who I am because I'm a gift to the world. You understand? Yeah. You see, some people struggle with that whole thing. They don't even think that way. But, but if you think in, in, in Ephesians 2.10, God says, you are, we are his workmanship, his fine masterpiece who were created in Christ and, and for works that God prepared beforehand. So in other words, if you think how we came into this world, 
It is not an accident how we've come into the world. Maybe there was a, well, when all our children were surprises, but it had nothing to do with that. There were no surprises to God, you know? And, but whatever the circumstances we've come into this world and whatever place we were placed, it's no mistake. It's by design of God. It's by the design of God because he has something for you to accomplish. He has an assignment for your life. When it says we're created for works which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them, this, a walk means a lifestyle. A walk means this is what I do with my life. I'm living according to something higher than what's outside me. I'm living according to a divine design. God designed me to get things done only I can do. So that makes sense. In other words, he's designed you completely uniquely. So if you get caught up in comparing yourself with everyone else, you'll lose who you are. You have to discover who you are. And the only place to find it is from the source. The word father means a source. So it's only, we can't find our life outside us. We find and define our life by where we've come from. I've come from my father in heaven. I will return to my father in heaven and I have an assignment while I'm on this earth and it's unique to me and no one can be like me. You see, when you've got that inside you, you just be yourself. And you don't have to try and pretend and copy and be someone. When you copy, you're you're never real or true or authentic. You're just a fake. You're trying hard and everyone can see it. And unfortunately, church is full of tryhards. It's unbelievable because we haven't got revelation of the new identity we have in Christ. So we're still living out of the old. It, the mind and the, the soul has not caught up with the change that took place. Yeah. So I found for many people, in God's eyes, you are a completely new creation and everything has passed away. He sees you as the new person and he delights in you. In our thinking, we're still programmed the way we used to live. Yeah. And so we have to get some shifts to take place. We want to look at how those shifts might take place. So have a look in, uh, in John chapter 13. It says, uh, in John chapter 13, and uh, in verse 3, and Jesus knew his hour had come in verse 1, and he's about to depart from this world to his Father. So he, he got a strong sense of where he's going. Now notice what it says uh, in verse 3. Knowing his Father had given everything into his hands, he had come from God, and he was going to God. So notice he knows his origins, where he has come from. He knows his source. He isn't defined it according to the earthly family. He's defined it according, I have come from my Father in heaven. This is my destiny. I'm going back to my Father in heaven. And he also said he knew that everything had been delivered to his hands by the Father. In other words, his Father had resourced him for life. And so it says, and then, knowing all of those things, he then put on a towel and he began to come down and he began to wash the feet of the disciples. Now, in the Hebrew culture, I, I, I can't get over Christians doing all this foot washing stuff. It's weird because it, it just is so, it just doesn't fit. No. Just go clean someone, help someone out, do something like that. <laughs> Basically, you've got to understand for what foot washing meant for them was in the Bible, from one end of the Bible to the other, you never touched anyone's feet. Never. In fact, you'll find in all hospitality, because the feet were so dirty and because no one wanted to touch them, if you came to their place, they'd provide a basin of water, wash your own feet. We don't do foot washing. We don't do that. We don't go there. And so that's all, all the way through. Even Abraham, when the angels came, gave them basin of water for the feet. It's part of the culture. So in the Hebrew culture, you never touched anyone's feet. And the only person that might do that would be a Gentile slave. But the Jews would never do that. 
And so a lot of things we can share about that. But the simple thing is, is what Jesus has done, he has taken the lowest position possible to demonstrate greatness comes out of knowing who you are. And that gives you the ability to serve. And, and notice this, he's the great miracle way. We would just find what he did incomprehensible. Think now of a ministry, a famous ministry you know. You can put any name in there, okay? And ask the question, could you ever see them stepping down to do the lowest servant job? What has happened in the thinking? It's moved from becoming the servant to become celebrity. Something shifted. Jesus, because the disciples were struggling with all of this, and he said, he said, you call me Lord, and I am. I know who I am. I'm your Lord. I know who I am. He said, if I, your Lord, have done this, then I've given you an example that you would do the same. So what he's, he's redefining what importance or uh, greatness is by putting it in terms of this is how the kingdom works. He serves. Now, get this. Jesus said, I do the things I see the Father doing. So what inspired him to wash feet then? Or who inspired him to wash feet? See, it's almost like incomprehensible that we would think of God being so humble and tender-hearted and gracious that he would come to the, the, the worst part of our life and engage in it to bring cleansing. It's overwhelming. If you meditate, it's completely overwhelming when you touch it with Jesus said, I do the things I see my father doing. So imagine the father coming and now he's dirting his hands in the lowest part of your life because he values you, you are priceless. And he hasn't got an identity issue that he's hung up on. When you are free in your spirit and who you are, when you're established in identity, you can do any task. You're not too important. You see, but if your identity is not established firmly in God, you're now gonna define it by what's outside you, how I stand in relationship to people. Now, you won't do the low tasks because I'm more important than that, or I want to be more important than that. So you see, Jesus' identity was strongly established. And because he was strongly established, not only could he serve, but also he could withstand pressure from people. You see, we're in a culture which is incredibly politically correct. Everyone's scared of saying something like that, offend someone. Jesus didn't worry about it. He offended everyone. <laughs> Why could he do that? It's not because he's deliberately trying to offend. It's just in living singular in purpose as the son of God, his lifestyle and actions and teachings confronted the culture and the insecure people that were around him. So if you look all through his ministry, you find him restanding the pressures. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. He withstood the pressure of family. Family gathered around and said, he's gone crazy. Let's get him home. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? It's just so weird. And he withstood the pressure of the Pharisees. They watched him all the time to see everything, everywhere, listening, everywhere they find a fault for him. Yeah, yeah. He, he resisted the pressure when the disciples all left and walked away. He didn't worry about it. He didn't we would have said, wait a minute. You, you just got me wrong. Now let me rephrase this. I'm going to put it another way. This is what I meant. So, so we'd backtrack in order to do what? In order not to offend, to, ex to be accepted. So Jesus' identity was so secure, 
He could actually speak out of the Father's heart and not worry how people responded. He could resist the social pressure. He could resist the peer pressure. He could resist the pressure of the religious system. He could stand up and speak and articulate what was right and what was wrong and confront the system just blatantly. Why? Because he didn't need nothing from it to establish identity. If your identity is in something, then you can't touch it. It's your idol. It's where you're drawing your source from. If God is our source, then now our identity is established within us. So we have to be established inside. The word father is a source. The word father, the source of our life, the source of our DNA. So Paul writes it this way in Acts 17, 28. said, in him we live and move and have our being. We have our identity for we are the offspring of God. Now, now these are scriptures which as you see them, you realize, actually I need to get it into my heart so I personally am free. And so we want to just explore just a little bit about that. Any idea? So how did Jesus get his identity? See, where is the identity? How is it established? I believe it was established when he was very young. I've looked at the scripture. Let me look at Luke, in Luke chapter 3, verse 21. The people were baptized. It came to pass Jesus was baptized. And while he prayed, heaven was opened. The Holy Spirit descended in bodily form on him like a dove. A voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son in you, I am well pleased. You're my beloved son in you, I'm well pleased. Now you notice there are two things established his identity it's the Word of God and the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God makes the Word of God live and real, but the foundation is the Word of God. At 12, he knew who he was. You think how many teenagers know who they are? They're not established. Identity is not established. So now they look to the peer group to establish who I am, want to be accepted by the peer group, want to try and find a place. Then therefore I say, I want to be different, but actually they all conform and, and, and dress and do the same sort of stuff. But you see, Jesus at, at 12 was able to say, I must be about my father's business. I know who I am and I'm committed to it. And so at the age of 30, then the voice from heaven, and, and so I believe it's the spirit of God and the word of God are what form and shape our identity. We need to learn how to surrender to the Holy Spirit and build the Word of God and revelation of who we are into our heart. If you don't do it intentionally, you will be defined by what's outside you. So notice what the, notice what the Father says to him. You are my beloved son. You belong to me. If people look for belonging. Jesus said, I know where I belong. I belong to my Father. If we ask people, well, who are you? Hello, how are you? And uh, who are you? They say, well, I'm a painter. Oh, I'm a pastor. Yeah. Oh, really? Really? Who are you? Well, I'm a pastor. No, no, no. I didn't ask what you did. I asked who you are. Yeah. And people, well, no one's ever asked me that before. People don't ask who you are. And yet, in fact, actually, if you want to engage people, what you need to do is find who they are. Yeah. I know what they're presenting, but who are you? If I don't meet who you are, I'm meeting just some image that'll keep me impressed. Jesus knew who he was because of the word of God and the spirit of God. He knew exactly who he was. I am my father's son. I am loved. He takes pleasure in me and I have access to all his resources. So he could walk through all of that. Notice the very first attack. So our identity will always come under attack. You notice Jesus' uh, temptations in Luke chapter 4. He's led by the spirit in the wilderness. Uh, the word that the father was, you are my beloved son. And then the words of the devil, if you are, yeah. 
It's an identity question. If you are the son of God, that's a challenge to identity to shift it from the word and put it onto something else. If you are the son of God, oh, here, do a miracle. Use the ministry to establish your identity. Whoa. Use the power of God for a purpose it was never intended for. The power of God and anointing of the Spirit is given to serve people, minister to their needs, and reveal the goodness of God to them. It is not about establishing your identity and importance. If your identity is around your ministry, then anything that touches your ministry is going to set you off because it's become the idol what you built your life around. So if your ministry stops, you're in trouble. (coughs) Your life has collapsed. For me, never been like that. To me, ministry is an assignment. When the assignment's up, it's up. That's it. I'm finished. You understand? It's just as simple as that. Because the, the, the identity is not in the assignment. But God had to teach me that. He spoke to me one day and he said, now listen. He said, I want you to fast off ministering and praying for people. I said, really? That's strange. And he said, I want you to fast for three weeks of ministering and praying for you. I said, what happens when people come? He said, make sure they get ministry. That's your responsibility as a pastor. But you personally won't be praying for them. I said, oh, why is that? And he said, because I notice that you are drawing your identity out of the flow of power and ministry to people. You are drawing on it in your soul to establish who you are. It was never intended for that. I want you to fast off that for a while and become established in me, in what I say about you, not in whether the ministry's good or not so good. And so for three weeks I did that, at the end of it, I didn't need to pray for anyone. I don't need to pray for people, I can. I do if the Holy Ghost leads, but I don't need to, I'm not addicted to the ministry. Oh, you get any idea? See, so we find, so Jesus' challenges all came around uh, identity. The first one, uh, the first temptation is one of performance, I am what I do. So are you, is your identity, you know, and the world presses you like that. What have you achieved? What have you done? How big's your church? You know, I wish, it, I wish it wasn't in the church, but it's in the church. I went to my first master's conference, one of the most miserable experiences I've ever been to. It was horrible. I came home and cried because I was looking as a young minister to have men of God bringing us into the presence of God. So maybe some miracles and some, some things happen. It wasn't all talking about how big your church is. And, and I'm thinking, what is this? How big is yours? Man, I've heard that out in the pub. <laughs> and, what, and what's going on in the church like this? What is all that about? But I realized its identity has been caught up in ministry. I thought, what am I? I, I actually wept with grief yeah. that this is what it was all about for them. It's not what I came in for. Yeah. Ministry, identity found in what we do. And of course, the world pressures us that way. It's all driven by achievement performance, how successful are you, what have you done, what have you achieved. I believe we should achieve, we're called to achieve, we're called to do things, but don't define your identity out of that. So the pressure to establish identity over what you've achieved leads to striving. So this is why people, pastors and leaders have breakdowns, they are striving to achieve instead of learning how to draw from the Spirit of God to build and allow God to build at His rate. Temptation number two. Remember, he's offered now. He's offered the, uh, all the kingdom of the world if you just bow down and worship. Uh, and so that's the temptation to possessions. I am what I own. I am what I own. In other words, how big is my building? How big is my ministry? 
How big is my house? How big is my car? How new is my car? I am what I own. See, one of the things when my assignment finished as senior leader, I said to my son, I said, I want to return the car, which is a symbol of the office, because I want a clear message. I'm no longer in that office. I don't need the car to establish who I am. I want everyone to know that that season has finished, and now this is not what I'm doing. I said, I don't want the office either. They said, no, we want to keep you the car. I said, no, no, no. Now, it's actually quite important because the way our community would see it, if I'm driving the church, the car the church has bought, then I'm still in the role. Yeah. We need to actually separate it very clearly. I'll step right back because I need to have a separation. I'm no longer in that assignment now. Therefore, all the privileges of that assignment are, are gone. I said, and in terms of support, I want you to know that the church owes us nothing. We gave our lives to the Lord. We followed his call. You don't owe us anything. We gave it as our service to the Lord. We have no entitlement. You need to, I say, if you want to do something, that's what's called an honorarium. Because you want to honor us, that's what you do to ensure your future. But for me, I have no demand on this thing. My life is not about my ministry, office, or whatever status I have. Yeah. You understand? Now, a lot of guys are in trouble because they're older ministers, and now they're trying to provide for their future out of the church. And yeah. I've seen ministries destroy the next generation because they put an entitlement to draw something because they've yeah. given so much. Yeah. Uh, getting real quiet now. <laughs> getting, getting raw. <laughs> These are kingdom things. See, kingdom things, eh? Here's another one. The last one he was tempted in was popularity. I am what people think of me. So, so, so the devil tempted him. Now listen, here's a goodie. Jump off the cliff. The angels of God, here's the scripture. The angels of God will support you. And now there you are. And everyone will see, and you'll become really popular. Isn't that great? Popularity is what you need. Now you understand if your identity is in what people think, popularity is everything. Then the numbers are everything. It's all about what people are saying, what people are doing. It's all about what, what our PR is looking like. John had the worst PR in the world. You know, out in the, out in the desert eating locusts, dressed up in wild rags. The whole country came out to him, though, because he carried something in God that they wanted. I'm not saying we shouldn't present well. I'm saying don't build your life around all that hype. Build your life around substance. And you know what? People come, people go. People like you, people hate you. It's always good to remember the same people that said, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, three days later said, kill him. <laughs> it's, it's quite helpful to see that when Jesus stood up and announced the beginning of his ministry, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. They all said, oh, beautiful words. Yeah. Then about 10 minutes later, let's kill him. They dragged him out of the church up the mountain. We're going to murder him. Yeah. See, see, so people are a little fickle. Just a little. A tad. <laughs> so I've learned with church... And this is, this is for pastors. You think the relationships are something. The moment you're not in that place of influence, you'll find they're not there. Only the authentic relationships will be left. And some people get really shocked. They feel hurt because they think you owe me because I've, I've, 
are poured into you. See, so it's about building your life around what people think of you rather than actually, I'm a son of my father. I have an assignment and I report to him and he gives the approval. And whether you like it or not, it's not of interest to me at all. You understand? That was what Jesus had to face and overcome. Even on the cross as he's dying, they still challenged him over identity. If you're the son of God, come on, do something. Come down from the cross. And you understand that he had power to wipe them all out, but he withheld using it. The strength of character to stay true to the father's mission because he knew who he was. So you see then in these, in these scriptures how identity is really important. So we've got to ensure that our identity is attached to him and not to something else. We need to make sure our identity is in the right place. People attach it to all kinds of things. We attach it to people. We attach it to uh, what we own. Now, I learned this in a Christian school. Mothers attach their identity to their children. Touch the child, you're touching me. They go furious. I learned as a Christian school teacher and the principal, they they, they taught us this. They said, never talk to the mum, talk to the dad. Because if you talk to the mum and say, your kid's been playing, oh, no, no, I wouldn't do that. No, 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 no. They'll really have a, they'll go nut off. You just tell the dad. And the dad will give you a different story, like, oh, you're doing that at home too. It's just for a woman whose role is in nurture, often her identity becomes attached to the child. Then she can't discipline. <coughs> can't say no. So you get a culture of entitled children rising up, and their parents have never said no, never challenged, never agreed on discipline because they just want to be liked. Whoa. All comes out of identity comes out of identity. Now, it's all right for me to talk about this now, but I went through all of that stuff. I've had all of that stuff on the way. You know, the tears of disappointment, frustration, and anger that what I thought was going to happen never happened. Other stuff happened. And, oh, this just seems so unjust. So, so if we're going to establish our, 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 ourselves in our identity, it has to be established by the Word and the Spirit. We need the Word of God to come into our heart. And I've talked about how to do that. And we also need the Spirit of God to make it become life and become real for us. So just a few simple steps. Let me just explain what, what I've discovered, what's helped me particularly. Uh, number one, I must develop intimacy with the Holy Spirit, who's the Spirit of Sonship. He's the one who reveals who I am. And so if I develop sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, I'll talk about that in another session, about being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Uh, become sensitive. He's the spirit of adoption. He's the spirit that speaks to our heart who I am. Okay, so, so number one, that. Number two, I need to repent of false sources of identity. Now, I, man, I was a mess. <coughs> I'm a bit better now, but I really was a messy, messy. See, when you struggle with rejection, you just want people to accept you. So you do everything to get them to like you, and none of it works. And so you have a lot of issues. So I came into ministry like that. I just thrown into it, deep end, no preparation, nothing. That's it, you're in, you know? And, and I thought, what? How'd I get here? And, and, uh, but, but I had to learn these things on the way by a lot of mistakes. And I realized there are some things you have to repent. Your identity's not in them. My identity was in the old cars. I had old V8s. I loved my V8s. Man, I was into V8s. And the Lord said, it's become an idol in your heart, a substitute for me. You need to let it go. (gasps) The pain. I said, okay, here's the deal. You bring someone to buy, I'll just set it. Everything goes. And you know, a week later, someone comes and says, I heard you got one of these old cars. Can I buy it? I thought, oh, it's all yours. We just negotiate a price. You've got to take everything. So I had to, over a process of time, 
start to let go the things my identity was built into. There's a repentance that I found my life from there. It'll always let you down if it's outside you. And, and when you've repented of it and your identity's established, you're not surprised at the silly stuff people do. I mean, the stuff that goes on that I hear of would shock you. It'd really shock you that people could carry on, pastors carry on, leaders carry on, people carry on, movements carry on, all of that stuff. It doesn't surprise me. It's just another day's business. That's what people do. And I don't let it affect me because my identity's not in it. You understand? If I've got an assignment, if the assignment ends, that's fine. I'm not worried about that. If people get upset and say, oh, I don't want you anymore, that's okay. I've got no problem about that. Father's got something else for me to do. It's not about me, it's about my father. See, the whole thing of sonship is you're extending your father. You're representing your father. That's what you're up to. So you've got to repent of false source of identity and ask, Holy, ask the Holy Spirit to show them where they are. It may be in your performance, maybe in your money, maybe what people think of you, whatever it is. It could be in a, being a victim mindset. Some people have a, their, their identity as a victim. <laughs> oh, my. You know, some people, their, their identity is in their ministry, and that's the worst one. It's so deceptive because while claiming to represent God, they're actually drawing from the ministry to build identity. And now, now get this. If you're drawing your identity from the ministry, you will use people to achieve your own personal ends. And people will become expendable whether they cooperate in building what you want or whether they don't. But when you're representing your father, you treat people differently. You see everyone's of value. And if they do goofy stuff or walk off, you still love them. It's no big deal. It's not like the pain level is no longer there at the same level because you're not attached out of a need to these people. Oh, getting real quiet now. Oh, yeah. so, 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 so that's a journey. I wish I could say we could just lay hands. There it is. You're done. Oh, I wish it was like that. It isn't comes out of encounters, but also comes out of the process. Okay, so the third thing is be intentional in renewing your thinking. Be intentional in renewing your thinking. Uh, we're transformed as our thoughts about God are renewed. Now, I found if you start to try and think too much about yourself, you get into a problem. So you renew your mind by meditation. You take the scripture truth. You focus your attention on who Jesus is. That's who God has called you to become. You're called not to become Jesus himself. We're called to be conformed to the image of what he's like. So that's the new me. So if I would focus on him and who he is and meditate on him and his character and his nature, this is, who I, this is what I'm called to be. Oh, I see. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, beholding like looking in the mirror, the glory of the Lord. Now, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? You see yourself. But it's saying, it's saying like looking in the mirror, like looking in the word of God to see the glory, who, what God is like, you are changed by the Spirit into that. Most people are working too hard to fix themselves up. I've stopped trying to do that now. It's too messy. I really have. But I have found by deepening meditation and, and, and allowing my inner life to embrace this is who I am. This is how God sees me. This is how he loves me. In other words, focusing on the goodness of God and, the, and what his son is like, your life begins to change. That's who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. Wow! Awesome, as my father, and I'm like him. Yeah. See, and th what that means then is, you, if you fail, you're not wiped out by your failures. Right. Well, it's just sorry, Dad. That's just a bit of a setback. Yeah. I'm coming back right now. That's not really me. It's not what I want. It just happened. I'm coming back. 
And, and, and then instead of living under this thing, nothing I ever do is good enough, I'm always living condemned, you actually live out of, actually, my father likes me. He delights in me. Isaiah 62.4, no longer called abandoned, but rather called Hepzibah, my delight is in you. I delight in you. And you think, well, I just blew it. No, 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 no. There you go again. You got your identity and your performance. Listen, whether you blew it or didn't blow it, I still delight in you. You're my child. I love you. I take pleasure in you. I look out for you. I'm watching after you. I got plans for you. But it's the revelation only the Spirit can give. So meditation and leaning on the Holy Spirit enables you to develop that in your life over time. Wow. And, and that means we've got to catch the road thoughts. When thoughts come, I'm bad, I'm this, I'm that. You've got to reject those thoughts. Those are the old thought patterns trying to bring you back down again. And lastly, we need to practice living as a son. You find that in Luke chapter 6, verse 35, where Jesus said, in the world, this is how people live. He said, you know, if, if, you, if they love you, you love them. Uh, if, they, if, they, if, if uh, or, you know, they've done some good to you, then you pay them back. Yeah. He said, that's not how it's going to be among you. He said, but if you love those and expect nothing in return, give to people expecting nothing in return. He said, yeah. then, notice what he says, then you shall be the children of your father and he will reward you. So that means I redefine my life and make it run differently. How would I represent my father? Oh, he'd be kind. How to read my, oh, he'd be generous. Oh, he'd be forgiving. So then your whole way of looking at people is quite different. Oh, well, he'd be bold and he would confront that. In other words, you're living out of who I am, how Jesus demonstrated the, what the Father's like. What an amazing challenge for us to actually abandon those areas and come. I want you to close your eyes right now. Father, we just thank you. You are establishing us as sons and daughters of the living God, having access to you by the Spirit, being able to enjoy you, being intimate with you. Yeah. Father, today I ask that you would reveal to any person here who has a substitute, something else, they lean on for identity that leaves them living in anxiety and fear, feeling frustrated and resentful, something that's substituted for you in their makeup. Father, I ask you to reveal it now and give grace to repent. It's right now just the presence of God is here. He's not condemning you. He doesn't condemn us. He comes to help us. If you're attached to something and that's where your identity is, tell him right now, I've made this an idol in my life. Perhaps it was important to my parents, so it became important to me and I defined who I am by it. No, I'm abandoning that now, Lord. I define myself now by who you say I am. And you say I'm your child. You say I'm beloved. You say I'm desirable. You say I'm accepted. You say I'm forgiven. You say I'm redeemed. You say I have access. You say I have redemption. You say I have an inheritance. You say I am blessed. Today I declare I am blessed. Yes. Amen. 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 Awesome.